my stories. I, I, I did the stories and the illustrations. Sometimes they would send us scripts, but I throw them out the window. I happen to be a guy who does what he wants, lives the way he wants to. I love people in general, even the villains in my comics. To me, a people, there is something in their lives that makes them become a problem to others. That's how I saw everything. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we enter in Jack King Kirby Month here on Kirby's Kids. Yes, folks, August is the month we celebrate the king. And no better way to start off the month than with a read of Kirby, King of Comics, the anniversary edition, which came out in 2017 to commemorate the 100 year birthday anniversary of Jack Kirby. This book is written by Mark Evanier with a fantastic introduction by Neil Gaiman. The book runs over 500 pages. Now, there are some fantastic illustrations, as you can imagine, included in this book. A warning to folks, if you buy the print copy, those images are in full-page splendor. It's great. If you buy the electronic copy, a note of caution slash interacting with those images, you'll want to double-tap them if you are reading them on a tablet. They will then enlarge, so they will take up your entire screen. Otherwise, initially, you may be put off going, wait a second, why are these images so small? It's just how the electronic copy works. But there's a way for you to enjoy the full splendor of those Kirby illustrations, tons of crackle, as well as some never-before-seen or seldom-seen illustrations that were done either on commission or concept art and some fantastic personal family photos that are shared in this loving biography of the man. Mark Evanier, along with most likely Roy Thomas, are the two gentlemen from the comic book industry who, from a credibility standpoint, I tend to trust just based on the even-handedness, the fairness with which they cover any particular topic. There's no mistaking Mark Evanier has a deep fondness, affection, and love for the entire Kirby family. Mark is a family friend, as well as having been Jack Kirby's personal assistant in the early 70s when Jack had moved out to the West Coast and was setting up his base of operations out here and working out of his home. Mark goes to painstaking lengths to cover Jack's formative years, his upbringing in New York, wonderful interviews with the family, personal accounts from both Jack and Roz, reflections from his peers, every one of the chapters, and of which there are eight in this book. There is an introduction, also a preface, as well as an afterword, which Mark uses to give his personal reflections on the Kirby family. 
And uh, that one really brought out the feels, the emotions, once you start reading that. He does not leave any era uncovered. This is the most thorough recounting of Jack Kirby's professional and personal life commingling in a single volume and done with such intent to be accurate and fair. Mark pulls no punches in bringing out the shortcomings or the failings of Jack Kirby while also celebrating the brilliance of the artist. And those shortcomings for Jack mainly were his business acumen or lack thereof. Jack was blessed in many ways to be aligned in his early career with Joe Simon. Joe Simon had a really good business sense. And for the times with which both Joe and Jack were collaborating together in their studio, Jack was treated very fairly. That was a very good nurturing partnership. When Jack came over to Marvel, he and Stan Lee made magic together. Stan's scripting, his snappy dialogue, to go along with Jack's mind-bending, innovative art and story plots would create the Marvel age, that silver age for Marvel, and make it that number two, and then eventually number one, as far as comics houses were concerned, and give the distinguished competition over at DC a real run for their money. Jack was never fairly treated by the big two. He was from a different era with which the publishers held all the cards. They dictated the terms, and then truly, it was over time that creators' rights would begin to be addressed. You would see a reconciliation begin to happen amongst those people that grew up fans of the Golden Age artists and their hits, who then still had characters that perpetuated in a popular sense well beyond their initial birthing there in the late 30s and 40s into the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, would have other talented artists and writers come in and infuse enthusiasm, breathe life, invigorate these characters, and would go back and look at who created these characters. When Superman the movie came out in the late 70s, you started to see Siegel and Schuster finally be recognized for their creation and given the proper credit. Once that happened, and Neil Adams was really instrumental in being that squeaky wheel and really pounding the pavement and advocating for those two brilliant artists to get the proper recognition. Right after that happened, you started to see the tide turn and focus in on Jack Kirby. Because Stan Lee had been the mainstay at Marvel. He remained at Marvel. He never left Marvel. Jack, however, would go from Marvel to DC to back to Marvel to back to DC to back to Marvel and then would go back into animation. Jack's painful storied career of never getting proper recognition, getting his hands back on his original artwork, 
and being able to benefit from the very lucrative licensing agreements that these large corporations would have for these original characters that he birthed, brought to life. Well, he would start to see a little bit of that start to happen in the 80s. And the 80s would be the decade, and then into the early 90s and his eventual expiring, passing away. That last decade to decade and a half would be that victory lap, that recognition, that adoration. And Roz Kirby, Jack's wife, would see and feel that along with Jack. And even when Jack passed away, Roz would attend comic book conventions and receive the same standing ovations that Jack received because she was the greatest enabler in the most positive sense of the term to allow Jack's creations to flow, to allow him to do what Jack did best and also help them in bringing home a salary, a paycheck. A lot of the time it was page rates. So not even salaried work, but X amount of dollars per page that was done. And Jack would turn him out. He was prolific. And that is all documented here in these eight chapters. To give you the titles, chapter one is In the Streets. Jack growing up in the hard streets of New York and really living by the school of hard knocks and being a survivor. Two is Partners. He and Roz finally meeting, getting married, and forming that union that would serve us as comic book lovers and readers for our entire lives, but would also bring about a loving family and an incredible partnership between the two. Make no mistakes, Jack Kirby would not have been Jack Kirby if it weren't for Roz Kirby. And we love you, Roz. Three, Jack without Joe. This would be the post-war years when Jack and Joe would meet back up again in a small period of time there. They'd do romance comics and invent all that stuff. And then Jack would move on, Joe would move on. Facing front and then without a country, those are the interesting years where Jack is still feeling his way around and trying to find a home. And he would eventually land back at Marvel where he would team up with the young whippersnapper who used to fill up inkwells when he and Joe Simon were putting together the latest issue of Captain America. Now that would be his boss, Stan Lee. And again, they would make comic book history together. Something else would end up then after his prolific work at Marvel, Jack moving on. He's tired of his deal, tired of not being treated with the proper respect when Marvel was sold. That because Stan Lee was Stan Lee, the consummate salesman, promoter, marketeer, par excellence, just was not receiving the proper recognition for his contributions in making Marvel what it was and is today. He would take his talents over to DC, to Carmine Infantino, who Carmine had worked out of that same studio with Simon and Kirby. He was treated well by them. And Carmine wanted to see Jack treated well and tried his best to bring him over to DC and gave him full reign of his creations, where he would go on to create the New Gods, do Omac, Forever People, Commandi, all of those. Then eventually, he'd grow tired of DC. Find himself back to Marvel, where he's creating the Eternals, Machine Man, Devil Dinosaur. Then finally, growing weary of Marvel, them not providing him with the proper recognition and contract he deserved, and moving on to animation. He would enter into Hanna-Barbera Studios. He would be instrumental in the creation of Thundar the Barbarian, and then would work for various independents and certain projects and freelance in what we would deem those legacy years, the last 15 years of his life. All of this is 
excellently chronicled by Mark Evanier. And then finally, in the legacy section where that victory lap occurs, there's a wonderful transition into the afterword. And Mark begins every one of these eight chapters and also the preface in the afterword with a quote. This could be from a peer. This could be from not only a peer, but another comics luminary or an entertainment luminary. In the afterword, I want to share with you the quote and then the opening paragraph of this just to give you a taste and then highly encourage you to go seek out this book, read it, enjoy it as it will give you another fantastic glimpse into the man, the brilliant talent, and the family that helped nurture this groundbreaking and prolific artist and work that is still celebrated today. Tell Jack that after he finishes saving the universe again, he has to take out the trash in the kitchen. Rosalind Kirby, one day in 1971. That right there gives you the grounding. Jack spent the majority of his career at home in the basement or then out here in California in a separate workroom in front of his drawing table with either the radio on and the TV on, a stack of science fiction fantasy books behind him, pulps, paperbacks for inspiration, churning out pages. I first met Jack Kirby in the pages of some comic I bought in a secondhand bookstore around 1960. And this is Mark Evanier. And then I met him again for the first time at his home in Irvine, California, a place he and Roz were renting while searching for something permanent. That second first time was in July 1969. Those who knew Jack only from the comics knew there was something special about any story with Kirby art. His work fairly crackled with a life-affirming energy. Even with the bad printing and the sometimes bad inking, it commanded your attention and demanded your involvement. Heroism was much more heroic. Villainy was all the more villainous, and love was just plain lovelier. Wow, that is a brilliant encapsulation, reflection by Mark Evanier, and indicative of this fantastic work. And with that, kids, welcome to Jack King Kirby Month here on Kirby's Kids. Whatever I put in my comments, I hopefully feel that this love of people may have been transmitted to them and help them. Not help them in any way, I'm not a psychiatrist, but just giving them another friend.